Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Rhea. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be worshiping with you this morning. I want to welcome you here online. We are in a series called Hand of God. Who's enjoyed the series so far? This is the last part, and as Pastor Tony always says, it's our last chance to get it right, so we're going to go for it this morning. I get to talk about God being our source. God being our source. Now, a source is this. A source is a supplier of something that we cannot produce on our own. A source is a supplier of something that we cannot produce on our own. For example, this past week, for the first time, I had to walk over to the thermostat. It was down at 64, and I had to put the heat on for the first time. It's always not a a fun moment this time of year. But that furnace went on, and the reason it went on is because there's a gas line running to my house to give it a source of gas and power so I can heat my house when it's cold. And same thing with electricity. In the summer when we've had these 90 degree days, you can cool your home because there's a source of electricity coming into your house. Also, When it's dark outside, what can you do? You can go to your house, you can go to this little switch on the wall and flick it on, and then you have light in the darkness, all because of a source coming into your home. We have entertainment at the click of a button, watching TV. Why? Because a source of power is coming into your home. We can preserve our food in a refrigerator and keep it cold. We can cook it on the stove all because there's a source of power coming into our house. And we don't even realize it in the day-to-day until what happens? There's a storm. And the power goes out, right? There's a storm that comes into the, the area knocks down some electric, electricity wires, and then we don't have power. And then we realize how much we need that power source in our life. It can be the same thing in our spiritual life as well. Our lives are filled with sources right here. Cell phone, it's another source. We get information right here at our fingertips. We ever wonder how that happens? It's because of a source of information, technology coming right into our fingertips. We don't think about it till what? Our battery dies, our phone freezes on us. But our lives are filled with sources. We go to work, we get a paycheck. That paycheck allows us to pay for all the other sources in our world. And if COVID-19 taught us anything, it's that we rely on food sources. 
And sometimes over the pandemic, you'd go into a grocery store to get something, and guess what? It wasn't there. The source ran out. Like the pepperoni I used to get from Kroger. I haven't had it in 18 months. There's something wrong with the source, apparently, for this brand of pepperoni. Not bitter about it or anything, but... <laughs> Got to get that source going again. But sources make our lives easier, enjoyable, and productive. However, these sources that we rely on so often are subject to shortages, interruptions, and can be in short supply at times. I was at the farmer's market a couple weeks ago and I was talking to one of the farmers and we happened to be in a period of a drought. And she didn't have very much produce that day. I said, what's going on? You usually have all this produce. She said, well, we're, we don't have a water source, our natural water source. We've been in a drought. I don't have as much produce because I rely on that source. Then I had to apologize to her because I've been praying for it not to rain so I can enjoy golfing when it's not raining outside. So I said, I'm sorry about that. That's my fault. But here's the problem. Most people think they have to be their own source or they rely on another human to be their source for everything. And I believe that God has wired each and every one of us with talents, with gifts. He's placed in each and every one of us the ability to do something of significance in this world. And it's amazing when we actually are functioning in our gifts and using our talents to be productive in this world. And that's not a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing. However... When we strictly rely on our own gifts, our own talents, and our own ability, and ourselves to be the source, we have limitations. And we can only do so much on our own. Because there are seasons of life when our human sources have a shortage or an interruption. Something outside of our control. Maybe you lose your job and you can't find another one. Maybe you're going through a painful life season, a loss of a loved one, a bad medical report, a grueling or painful divorce. Maybe something's going on with your kids or your parents, and all of a sudden our control of our source is limited. There's a shortage, it's gone. Now what do we do? See, sources are subject to shortages and interruptions and can be in short supply. But not when you rely on God to be the source for your supply. See, when we put our trust and security into something bigger than ourselves like God, it cannot be taken from us. See, our job shouldn't be our source. It's a blessing but it's not our source. God's our source. Our wives, our husbands, as much of a blessing as they are, and we can't picture our lives without them sometimes, they're not our source. For security, for happiness, for love, that's not our source. 
A man or a woman can never be your source for true happiness. It'll, they'll always fall short. Your kids, as much as you love those little darlings, they cannot be your source of joy. God is your source of joy. Your parents, as much as we rely on our parents and love our parents and they look out for us and they're there for us, it's a blessing, but they can't be our source. God is the source of our supply. He's a never-ending source. In fact, when I was studying for this message this week, I decided to just type into the Google machine, scriptures on God being our source, just to see what came up. I came across blogs that had 70 scriptures, 100 scriptures. There's so many. The Bible is chock full of scriptures that talk about God being our source. It's something he wants to drill into our heads that we are not alone in this world. And we feel that way, don't we, at times? I'm alone. If I'm going to do anything in life, it's, got, it's up to me. And maybe you've even found yourself successful in life in a lot of areas. It's still not going to be fully complete until God is filling the void in your life and is becoming your source for joy, for happiness, for fulfillment, for purpose. God is our source. Listen to these scriptures. I'm going to read a few of them off quickly. Scriptures like, God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Everything comes from God. Everything exists by his power and everything is intended for his glory. 1 Corinthians 8, 6, yet for there is only one God, the Father, who is the source of all things. Psalm 12 12, 12, I'm sorry, Psalm 121, 2. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We always love this one. Now to him who is able by the action of his power that is at work within us, he's able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. See, we can go far on our own. He's wired us to be successful in this world. He wants us to have initiative and do things. But we are limited without Him. He's the one who can help us go infinitely. I love this in the Amplified. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. That's powerful. Romans eleven thirty six 36 says, all things originate with him and come from him. Psalm, Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall not lack. And I could go on and on and on with these scriptures. But I'm sure some of you want to see the Lions game at 1 o'clock, so I won't do that to you today. <laughs> God has taught me a lesson in my life because I can be very self-sufficient. I'm a doer. I love to learn and I love to do. And I like to just get things done. 
I don't like waiting. I'm not the most patient person in the world. But God teaches me and he's taught me since I've been walking with him. Chris, you can only go so far on your own. You need me. And there's seasons where it's tougher to linger, like that song we were singing, just to linger. That's tough for a type A personality sometimes, to just linger and let God influence you and be your source and fill you. We're wired to go and with technology and everything we have in our fingertips, we are on the go all the time. But God wants to be our source. And when you begin to rely on God to be your source, you open up the possibility of the supernatural in our lives. See, God's not limited to your ability or capacity. He's not limited with financial resource. How many know bank accounts go up and down? Economies go up and down. Stock markets, oh boy, up and down right now. God's not limited by that. He's our source. He's who we rely on. And if we truly trust Him and believe in Him to be our source, we don't have to fear what other people fear. So the problem is most of us We think we're our own source or we rely on other people to be our source. But the solution to that problem is trusting God to be your source. So what keeps us from trusting God to be our source? Well, maybe it's due to life disappointments. Things happening in your world that you never thought would happen. Maybe it's fear. Man, I don't know. There's so much weirdness and trauma and difficulty in this world, and I'm freaked out about the future. Maybe that causes us to try to clamp down on control and rely on ourselves to be our source instead of God. Maybe bills are piling up in a season. Maybe some bad choices that we've made have led to some devastating consequences in our lives. And now we're so full of guilt and shame that we feel disqualified to rely on God to be our source. Even though that's a lie. Sometimes we think to ourselves, I can't go to God and ask him for everything after I've done A, B, C. I've lived this way, I've done this. How could I actually approach God and ask him for anything? God wants to be your source. Maybe you felt abandoned by God in seasons of your life. Maybe you weren't raised in a loving environment. Maybe no one has ever provided anything for you ever in your life. Everything you have is because of what you've done. So that causes you to be self-sufficient and feel like you're alone. And if you're going to have anything in this life, it's going to be because you did it. 
Maybe feeling like no one's ever been there for you or feeling pain, trauma, loss, fear. All of these things causes us to become self-sufficient, to clamp down on control, to take matters into our own hands and stop believing that there's a God who loves us and wants to be intimately equated in every decision we make and everything we do in this life. So these are the things that keep us from trusting God to be our source. And you know what? Life happens. No one's blaming you for these things. It's hard. This life can be hard. And when hard things happen, our minds can be filled with doubt. Well, maybe God isn't going to come through. Maybe he doesn't exist. Maybe he exists, but maybe he's just not going to come through for me. I've got a track record that says he won't. But he still wants to be our source. He's still working on things even if we can't see it. Like the song we sang earlier. Like Sean talked about the conveyor belt today. When we can't see it, he's moving us forward. He's working even when we don't see it. In the book of John chapter 4, there's a story that I want to talk about this morning. It's a story about how Jesus encounters a woman at the well. Now, this is a familiar passage of Scripture, but I want to look at it in a little slightly different way this morning with you. So we're going to pick up that story in the book of John chapter 4. Verse 7. Chapter 4, verse 7. Like I said, Jesus is on this long journey. He sends his disciples away. He's going through Samaria. He stops because he's tired, it's hot, and he's thirsty. He stops at this well. And let's pick up the story. Soon as a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So she says to Jesus, kind of seems like in a snarky way here, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well's very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well. How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh source, I'm going to add that in, becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Now the woman changes her tune. Please, sir, she calls him sir. The woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again. I'll never have to come back to this well, this water source to get water again. Jesus says, go and get your husband. Jesus 
or Jesus told her, I don't, and she says, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with right now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it's here at Mount Gerizim? where our ancestors worship. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on the mount, this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, The Father is looking for those who will worship Him in that way, for God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called Christ. When He comes, He'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then His disciples came back, they're shocked to find Him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. I want to unpack this a little bit. I want to dive a little deeper, and I want to look at this woman that we see at the well. You know, she gets a bad rap a lot of times because Jesus kind of calls her out on a few things. He says, you know, you have five husbands and the man you're living with is not currently your husband. And so a lot of times people will just assume maybe she was an adulterer. You know, maybe she's just constantly living in sin. However, if you start to look, and that that could be true, but if you start to look deeper into this, when you talk about Samaritan people, if a woman was an adulterer, no second husband would have married her. Because he would have automatically been messed up his name for good. So, we don't know that she was the reason why she's had five husbands. In fact, a husband could have passed away. A husband could have died. A husband could have left her. You know, back then, women were fully dependent on men. Could not survive in the world without a man. And so, if she couldn't produce children, if she couldn't do certain things, if, if he didn't want her anymore, he could leave her. And she was stuck till another man came around and married her. And maybe because she had five husbands, the guy she was currently living with wouldn't marry her, didn't want to marry her. That was out of her control as well. So Jesus is looking at this situation and he sees a woman, in my opinion, who's full of pain. Her life was full of heartache. And then we see the Bible says that she came at the sixth hour 
to the well. Now, that's six hours from sunrise, which was 6 a.m., so that would have been noon. In the heat of the day, she comes to this well by herself. Now, the issue here is most people, most women didn't come to the well at noon when it was hot out. They would wait to the evening when it was cooler. Then they would make the hike from their homes to this well and get pictures of water. And usually it was like a community experience. Women would bring their girlfriends, maybe their daughters, and they'd all go to the well together. But she was all alone, which means she didn't have many friends. In fact, she didn't even want to tag along with the other women. Probably they didn't want her there. So she came in the hottest part of the day to draw water. Miserable experience. So then she sees Jesus. And Jesus is sitting there now. A woman could not have opened a conversation with Jesus. A man had to initiate dialogue at that time for, her to, for them to have a conversation. So she's a little shocked when this man, not just a man, but a Jewish man, initiates a conversation because Jews and Samaritans hated each other. They didn't do anything with each other except maybe occasionally for business reasons. But they had no social contacts with each other. Couldn't stand each other. And the reason is, is because when King Nebuchadnezzar invaded Israel, destroyed the temple, he brought the Jewish people from their land in, the, in Israel to Babylon. And when he did that, some of the Jewish people intermarried with the Babylonians, and they became Samaritans. So then when Cyrus II issued an order that the Jews were allowed to go back to their homeland and rebuild their temple, the Jewish people went back, but when the Samaritans tried to come back, the Jewish people said, "Uh uh-uh. They called them half-breeds. You go back to your land. You're not welcome here anymore, creating this huge divide. And so when this happened, the Jews hated the Samaritans so much, you know, they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even go through the town of Samaria. They would cross over the Jordan, which is so much harder to do, but they didn't want to go through Samaria. They didn't even want to see the Samaritans. And one of the most significant arguments of this time between the Jewish people and the Samaritans was was this. The Jewish people believed that God dwelled in Jerusalem, and they built a temple for him there, and they worshiped there. While the Samaritans, they built a temple in Mount Gerazim. Okay, I'm going to botch this. I practiced it, but I'm still going to botch it. Gerazim, Gerazim, Mount Gerazim, Gerazim, something like that. That's where they built that temple. And so there's a big debate between Samaritans and Jewish people on where to worship God. And so the fact that Jesus traveled through Samaria instead of going around it, 
and he's at the well talking to a Samaritan woman was a big deconstruction of a cultural norm that had been going on for hundreds of years. I love that about Jesus. He was so good at seeing people and not judging them or seeing what everyone else saw in them. He was so, he was such a disruptor in that way. Great at reading situations. And he saw this woman coming at noon and he knew there was a story there. So he says, I'm I'm going to meet this woman right where she is. She's trying to get water in the hottest part of the day. She's obviously exhausted and doesn't want to do this anymore. So he starts talking to her about living water. And at first, she's a little standoffish, She's like, why are you talking to me? Come on, are you greater than our father Jacob, who the Samaritans thought were their ancestors, not the Jewish one? You think you're better than the our forefather who built this well, she's, she's getting a little bit in there with Jesus a little bit. But then he starts talking about this living water. And she starts wondering, is it possible that I don't have to come out all the way to this well in the hottest part of the day and get water? But then she realizes Jesus is talking about the soul and how our soul longs for a source to fulfill it and that being the one true God. Jesus talks about a gushing natural stream. Now you gotta, you gotta picture this with me. This woman comes to this well every day. She has this huge pitcher. She has to tie it to a rope by herself Lower it a hundred feet. That's how deep it was to get water. A hundred feet down. Fill it with water. Then she's got to pull it up by herself. Then carry that water all the way home in the heat of the day without spilling it. One time I was on a mission trip and we had to take bucket showers because the, the water source had run out. So we had to get these five gallons of buckets and we literally had to walk maybe a hundred feet, fill the bucket with water and carry it back to our room. I spilled half of that bucket on the way back to the room just about every single time. And that's how we showered and bathed. So the, the fact that she had to do this every single day in the hottest part of the day It's something no one really wanted to do. And to do it alone, at least when you had company, it was uh, more fun. And so Jesus talks about a stream gushing of living water. Can you imagine that? If there wasn't a well, but there was actual a stream there where you could just fill up your pitcher without putting it down 100 feet. And you could even get in the stream and get your body temperature cooler. And Jesus is saying, this is what's going to be inside of you. If you trust me, if you believe in me, I will give you this living water. It'll be like a stream bubbling up inside of you. You'll never be thirsty in the soul again. It'll be a never-ending source. 
I love it because then the woman kind of changes her tune and she starts calling him sir. This is a, she starts giving him some more respect. She starts seeing that he's got a prophetic gift. He starts telling her what her life situation is, which is another interesting thing. Because Samaritans, they only believed in the first five books, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They didn't take the prophetic books as canonical scripture to them. So to call him a prophet and to believe that he might be the Messiah was a big deal. It's also interesting that the Samaritans believed the Messiah would come as a teacher while the Jewish people believed he would come as a king. So she was actually more receptive to the fact that he could be the Messiah than most Jewish people would have been at the time as well. And I love what Jesus, how he talks with this woman. He says, he replies to her, he says, dear woman. That word in the Greek was one of respect. In fact, it's the same way he called his, he talked to his mother in the Bible. Highest level of respect for this woman. Probably no one had called her that in a long time. Probably no one actually saw her. Probably everyone gossiped about this woman, all her shortcomings, all her failures, five marriages, living with a guy now. She was called a lot of things probably, but not dear woman. And Jesus looks past all of the junk. He's able to look past sin, class, race. He shows grace. To this woman, he treats her with honor and respect, probably for the first time in a long time. And he was able to give this woman, who probably had not a lot of hope, she probably had a pretty miserable life, he was able to give her peace and hope. She probably felt maybe God had abandoned her. Maybe God was mad at her. Maybe God had given up on her. I mean, she was taught her whole life she was less than because she was a Samaritan. She was a half-breed. No one wanted to accept her for who she was. She was looked down at in society. She was cast aside. But this is the person out of everyone in Samaria that Jesus chooses to reveal himself to. The person you would least expect. I love that about Jesus. And I believe it was strategic because he wanted her to know, you're not alone. I can be your source. If you trust in me, God will be the source. Your father, your heavenly father will be a source. You don't have to be self-reliant. You don't have to even rely on a man to be your source. I will be your source. I'll meet your needs. And he became her source that day. 
completely redeemed her situation. And we see that this gave her hope because she immediately ran. She left the pitcher at the well. She runs back to the town and she gets everyone and says, listen, I think the Messiah is here. It's a powerful story. Now, there's a lot written about this woman at the well. I don't know if you've ever researched this, but there's a lot of documents outside of the Bible, but these are historical documents found in a lot of Eastern Christian writings about this woman and what she went on to do after this encounter with Jesus. Now, like I said, this isn't biblical, but it's some sources outside the Bible that tell stories of this woman becoming one of the greatest apostles and spreaders of the gospel and evangelists of the day. That she became, in a world where a woman couldn't really do all the things a man can do, she became this incredible evangelist and God used her in powerful ways. In fact, there's a story that says she went to Nero, who at the time, Nero was the emperor of Rome, and he was persecuting Christians at the stake. He was killing Christians. He was burning them. He was doing all kinds of crazy things. She went into Nero. She went and got a meeting with Nero, and she said, I want to witness. I want, I want to bring you to Christ. And he got so mad, he had her tortured. And then he sent his daughter to her to try to get her to denounce her faith. He wanted to hear her say she did not believe in God anymore. That's how much he tortured her and punished her. Sent his daughter in there to convince her. She gets his daughter to come to Christ to believe. And then story says, story goes on to say that the daughter then got a hundred of her servants baptized and came to Christ. And it made Nero so mad he ended up martyring her and murdering her. And she became one of the first female martyrs of the faith. Like I said, it's not in the Bible, but it's in some writings you can read about. I believe it though, kind of. This woman has this encounter. She's been self-reliant or reliant on a man her whole life. She's never felt like she's had enough source in her life. She's always felt less than. She has an encounter with Jesus and he says, I'm going to be your source. And it completely changes and transforms her entire life. And she leaves everything she knows and she devotes herself to him. It's a powerful story. What are you going through today? Where do you need God to be your source? For some of you, it's financial. You just need some financial source. For others of you, that's not an issue. But maybe you feel dry. Maybe you feel like you haven't really encountered God in a while. Maybe you feel stale in your walk with God. Maybe it's your marriage or your kids. Maybe you're lacking source in some other area. Well, let's learn from the woman at the well. What did she do? She went to the well every day to get water to drink. 
we have the ability to go to Jesus, to meet him at the well every day, to get into his word, to get into worship, to, to pray and to seek his face and say, God, I've been too self-reliant. I've been doing good on my own, but I need you now. I'm tired of it. It's getting old doing this life on my own. I feel dry. I don't feel close to you. I don't feel connected to you. I need you. And God, Jesus is like, I'm here. I'm your source. I'll do whatever you will allow me to do in your life. As much or as little as you want. See, God wants to be our source. So as I close this out today, what I want to do is I want to just read some prophetic verses found in Isaiah over this church. And I want you to think of where you lack, what your source, what source you really need to be filled this morning. Isaiah 58, 11. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in dry places. I really felt as I was preparing this, this was a word that a lot of people find themselves in a dry place with the Lord right now. But he wants to satisfy your soul in a dry place, but he can't do it by himself. You've got to take the step to say, God, I need you again in my life to satisfy this dry place in my soul. He says, I will satisfy your soul in dry places and make strong your bones. And you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters don't fail. I want to read another portion found in Isaiah 40. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth doesn't faint, neither is he weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint. And to whom who has no might He increases strength. That's a word for someone struggling right now. You have no might. He's going to increase strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall shall stumble and fall. But those who wait for the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, shall renew their strength. Let me translate that. Those who go to the Lord as their source will be renewed. If you feel dry, if you feel weary, if you feel good about life, but something just seems to be missing, he wants to renew your strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. Church, let God 
be your source. If you're struggling, if you feel like the walls are caving in, if you feel like the doors are all being shut around you, or if you feel like you have plenty right now, but you're just lacking joy or hope or meaning or fulfillment or closeness to God, He wants to be your source this morning. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I don't know what I would do or where I would be without you as my source. God, I repent for being too self-sufficient at times and not relying on you to be my source. God, I pray for those who find themselves in a tough situation this morning that you would be their source. I pray for those who haven't felt your presence in a long time that you would be their source. I pray for those who are self-reliant and self-sufficient that you would break through and be their source. I pray for breakthrough this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.